And if you feel just like you need to do a little more, we don't mind checks and large bills either. So <laughs> feel free. Um, we're also planning on having these back by Valentine's Day or on Valentine's Day. Um, so that gives you about four weeks, and we would really appreciate you bringing them back. Um, also, for those of you that don't know, PHCC is a 501c3, and we exist solely on um, private contributions from churches, individuals, and organizations. So if you want a tax receipt for your donation, please be sure to fill out the insert and leave that and put it back in the bottle for when you turn it in. Um, and if you prefer to give online, a lot of us are doing that now, check out our bulletin insert today. It has a lot of good information um, as well as our website, which um, would take you to our donation um, uh, website through e-giving. Um, we don't accept any government funds because we are a faith-based nonprofit and we want to stay faith-based. For those of you that would like to be more hands-on, we use volunteers in, a, in an array of areas, from folding baby clothes to admin to stuffing envelopes to organizing fundraisers. You can ask Janet Noel. She's there twice a week helping out. And I think she loves us almost as much as we love her. <laughs> if someone has talents in the media area, we need you. I mean, we really need you. <laughs> Wherever your talents lie, we will be happy to find a place to use them. Um, we also need people that will cover this ministry with prayer and with giving. Um, we have many in this room, I'm happy to say, who have been faithfully giving and praying for years. And I want to thank you for that. You have been such a huge blessing to us, and we cannot do this ministry without you. Um, as I've said before, I wish everyone who contributes to PHCC could be there to see that look in mom's eyes, a lot of time with tears, when they ask why. Why do you do this? And I always tell them, the people who volunteer here and the people who contribute to PHCC do it for one reason. They love Jesus, and they love and they care about you. And you guys are changing lives. This past week, I had the opportunity at the Richmond Rally for Life to hear Abby Johnson. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but her testimony is unique and that she was a director at a Planned Parenthood for eight years. And if you don't know, Planned Parenthood is our nation's number one provider of abortions. And during that time, she had totally bought into the pro-life rhetoric. She believed what she was saying. Until. Until the day that she was needed to assist with an ultrasound-guided abortion. Instead of the more commonly used blind approach, the physician was using ultrasound. This meant that Abby could actually see the baby's response to the abortion instruments. Now, I'm not going to get graphic, but that day changed Abby's life. And since then, she has made it her mission to change the lives of others, especially those working in the abortion industry. 
By the way, she has a ministry now that reaches out to these people. And in three years, they have helped 200 people step away from the abortion industry. That's just praise God. But what interested me was that she said that she was raised in church in a pro-life family. And she said that she didn't really understand why she was pro-life because no one ever really talked about it. So for the young people in this audience and for the parents who are raising those young people, I would like to say this. Know why you are pro-life. Talk about it. We are the only voice that the unborn have, and no one else is going to speak up for them. So unlike Abby, when you young people or when your parents send your young people off to college or school, don't let them be swayed. Don't be swayed by the lies that are being repeated day after day. Know the truth and speak the truth. And please listen to these words of truth in our video. A Bible says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah 1 5. For you were created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works is wonderful. I know that full well. My plan was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. And I was thrown together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were gained for me. It was written in your book for one of them came to be. John 139, 13 from 16. For I know the parents I have for you, cares the Lord. Parents prepared for you, for not to harm you. Parents to give you hope in the future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Thanks, Carla, for sharing. If you want to come up, we'd like to pray for you and over you and for the Pregnancy Help Center. So if you guys would join with me in that, just extend your arms out towards uh, Carla, and we'll, I'll lead us in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much uh, for the ministry of the Pregnancy Help Center of Chesterfield. God, I thank you for Carla and her leadership there. I thank you for all of her volunteers and staff and the people that, uh, God, just have uh, just this passion uh, to see this happen and uh, to help these um, these men and women uh, that are in trouble, Father, or just to be able to give them guidance and encouragement. Father, I just lift them up to you, God. I pray that you would just continue to fill them with your spirit. I pray that this, uh, that the Pregnancy Help Center would continue to be a beacon of light in our community. Uh, God, that it would be a place, a safe place for uh, women to come and to, to, to share and um, God, to share their struggles and, and, and their, uh, 
difficulties, and, and God, I thank you for uh, people that have stepped in and to, to come alongside of them and walk with them and encourage them. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. God, we thank you for the love that you showed us. And I just uh, pray, Father, for the needs that they have. Uh, God, you know every single one of them. And Father, I pray for uh, just the equipment that they need to be able to help them uh, with other things. And just pray that they're able to receive the, those things uh, soon. Uh, Father, I just pray for, for more volunteers. Uh, I thank you for already men who have stepped up to, to mentor other men. And uh, God, we just pray that you bless that, that as well. So, Father, I just uh, lift them up to you. God, I ask your blessing over them, uh, that they would just continue again to be a light in this community. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Carla. Yep. All right. Well, again, welcome. If you guys have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open those up. We're going to be in the book of Genesis this morning, very first book of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, then you can share one with your neighbor. If you have one on your phone or a tablet. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. It's the book of the beginnings. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be. And we're also going to be in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. So those are going to be kind of the two main, main scriptures that we're looking at today. We are in a series, uh, currently in a series, entitled Every Story Whispers His Name. And our goal throughout this, this series is going to be that uh, to help you see that from beginning to end, from, from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, all the way to Revelation, uh, the story, uh, the, the Bible has one uh, common theme, uh, and that is God rescuing mankind from their sins. Uh, we also want you to see that there is one central character throughout this whole book, and it's not me, it's not you, but it's Jesus. The Bible is Christ-centered. And that's why our purpose here at Chester Christian Church is on the wall, it's in our program, it simply says that, that we are here to make much of Jesus by reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. And you might ask, I mean, why, why the emphasis on the gospel? Because, well, because the gospel is the good news, and because Jesus is the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus, and we want to exalt Jesus here at Chester Christian Church week in and week out, that's what, what our goal is. Our goal and our prayer every single week is that, that we would lift Jesus up in this place and that you who are here would see how beautiful Jesus is, that you will see what Jesus has done for you, that you will see yourself in light of who Jesus is, and that you will see your need for Jesus. Amen? And that's our prayer every single week, man. And so we're always going to point you to Jesus. Um, and so we're going to continue that today. However, today is going to be a bit different, okay? Rather than walking you through a story uh, from the Old Testament, I'm actually going to walk you through a few verses from the Old Testament. And by the end of our time today, I think you will still see that these Old Testament scriptures point forward to Jesus. Now, the topic for today, man, it's, it's a heavy one. It's a heavy one. And so I think it's imperative that we uh, keep the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, of God's love and grace and mercy in the forefront of our minds, because if we don't, then I think we run the risk of, of taking uh, this in a direction or, uh, that we shouldn't or simply feeling some unbiblical thoughts that maybe we shouldn't. So, so I want to keep the kind of the gospel in the forefront here as we walk through today. Uh, today we're, we're going to be focusing on the sanctity of human life, which is the idea that, that all, all human life has value. Now, I've got to be honest, man, when I, when I was talking with Carla back last fall about this idea of, of kind of planning the whole service around this and actually preaching a sermon on it, you know, back then I was kind of all gung-ho about it. 
And as time got closer and closer and closer, I got more and more more nervous. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what have I done? So anyways, today, today is a difficult topic, topic, the sanctity of human life. Again, the idea that all human life has value. And I just want to remind you that while the focus is typically on abortion and euthanasia, it, it also applies to much more. Okay, the sanctity of human life applies to all and any injustices against human life. Any violence, any abuse, any oppression, uh, sex trafficking, even racism. Okay? And so the point is, is that all human life, all human life, regardless of sex, race, age, socioeconomic status, physical ability, whether in or out of the womb, have value. And Scripture tells us that God places a high value on all human life. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and uh, let's, let's read that this morning. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. These two verses are usually known as the Imago Dei. The Imago Dei is that we have been created in the image of God. If you notice in that verse, uh, there's a couple of words. The words uh, image and likeness uh, is identity language. In other words, we are a duplicate. We are a snapshot of God. And God speaks of no other creature other than human beings as being his image bearer. The, the fact that, that, that we have been created in his image sets us apart from the rest of the creative order. Do you understand that? It's like, like, listen, I love animals. How many of you guys love animals? How many of you guys have pets? Yeah, a lot of us, right? Dogs, cats, we have pets, birds, some of you have birds. You know, but, and I love pets. I grew up, I had pets growing up, I had dogs, cats. When I married my wife, Robin... I inherited a dog and two cats. I inherited a gold retriever named Summer. Loved that dog. Loved that dog. And then I had two cats, uh, one named Calvin and one named Hank. Now, Hank, we had a nickname for. Hank was called Two-Pat Hank. Two-Pat Hank. And the reason why we called him Two-Pat Hank is because if you patted Hank more than twice, you were going to get bitten or scratched or clawed or something. So it was like, hey, two pat Hank, two pats, and walk away. Just walk away, walk away, don't go any further, right? And listen, Hank, man, he had, he had this thing, man, where he would lure you in. He would lure you in. He was very seductive in this, man. He would just lure you. He would be purring. And he'd be like, oh, Hank. And so, you, so one day, I'll never forget, Robin was out with her friends, and, and, and I was like, Hank was sitting there. And uh, I said, okay, Hank. He, he lured me in, right? And so I, I patted Hank twice, and I thought about it. And I was like, should I do it? And I went in for the third, and sure enough, Hank hissed at me, clawed me, scratched me. Uh, man, I, I went after that cat. I'm telling you right now, man, I was ready to send that cat to kitty heaven that day. All right? In his case, kitty hell. All right? That, 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 cat, that cat was not going to heaven. That cat was not going to heaven. And so I remember I, I, remember I called Robin on the phone and, uh, with, with scratch marks and, and blood and, and, and this, all this stuff. And, and I said, listen, it's either the cat or it's, it's me. Okay, it's either the cat or me, and so fortunately we found uh, her friends, they had a farm, and so Hank went out to live the rest of his days on the farm, and he is now uh, living in hell with Satan and, and all, the, all, all of the, the demons. 
Listen. But listen, I loved, I loved the summer. I loved our dog. I loved our cat, Calvin. Calvin was awesome. And as awesome as our pets are, as awesome as animals are, listen, human beings are the only creatures that are made in the image of God. Okay, we alone are imprinted with God-like characteristics. And I just want to unpack a few of those characteristics for you to show you what I mean, this imago Dei, this, this image of God and how we bear his likeness. Uh, and you can write these down if you're taking notes real quick. First, we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings, okay? We, the, the, the human beings, we, we, uh, we're not merely material beings, okay? This is just an outer shell for us. All right, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that, that, that when God created man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God does not do that with any other creature. But he breathed life into us, making man a living soul, giving him spiritual life. Only human beings have a soul or spirit, and because of that, we are able to relate to God in worship. This is why we come together on Sunday mornings and we worship God. He is worthy, right? And so, so only human beings can do that. We are immortal, okay, which means that we will never cease to exist. We will live forever. Yes, we, this shell, this outer shell will rot away, but our soul, our spirit lives on for eternity. And we will either live for eternity with, with God in heaven or in hell, all right? Second, we are relational beings, man. God is very relational. God is a relational God. Uh, he is relational in nature, and he shows that with us. Uh, with the Godheads, okay, in this phrase, if you go back to our verse we read, chapter 1, 26, he says, God says, let us make man in our image. Now, who's God talking to? The Godheads, right? You guys can answer, by the way. It's, it's, feel free to talk. It's, it's cool. All right, so the Godheads, he's referring to, to, to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so God is relational. He experiences perfect oneness and perfect community with God, uh, the Son, and, and God, the Holy Spirit. And God created us to live in community. God creates the first man, Adam, and he said in Genesis 2, 18, that it is not good for man to be alone. And I know, man, that, that so many people love to live in isolation. I know that we love to just kind of be on our own. And, and, and part of that is because of uh, how sin has kind of gotten into the, to our world and crept in, and we, we kind of prefer isolation, but God created us to live in community, and that's why we've got to fight for community, man. We, we, you know, we, it's, it's important for us to be here on Sunday mornings, man. Isn't this great to be able to come together and to encourage each other and to worship together collectively? That's why we, 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 we encourage you guys to get plugged into small groups here at Chester Christian Church, man, because it's important to be in community. It's important for you to walk alongside other people, to go through life together uh, with things. And, and, and in different seasons of life, you go through different things, man. You just walk together with those things. And, and as you're doing that, you're being discipled. And you're growing in your faith and love for Jesus. Third, we, were, we are creative beings. I love this, man. Listen, God is creative. Right? I mean, think about it. Like, he didn't just create one type of bird, but he created over 9,000 different species of birds. Right? Didn't that blow your mind? I mean, he didn't have to do that. Right? It's estimated that there are over 100 billion galaxies in the universe. Like, that's just mind-blowing. Right? God didn't have to do that, but God did it because he is creative. Think about the food that we eat. Think, think about our taste buds, man, how God created us and, and how he created all these different foods and different flavors of foods. Right? And I could talk about Chipotle all day long. Right? And, and God did that, man, because he is a creative God. Psalm 19 tells us that his glory is displayed in his creation. In other words, we see it day in and day out. All we got to do is just open our eyes. 
We, we see it in, in the fall, man, with the changing of the leaves. We see it in the spring with the budding of new flowers. We see it in the mountains and in the oceans, man. We see it. He created everything out of nothing. He's created, which means that we have this insatiable desire because we've been created in his image to, to be creative ourselves, to create things, man, right? We, we love to, to, we got people, man, that love to build things with their hands. We love, we, we, we got people that love to, to create food, man, and to, to, to cook. We got people, man, that, that are able to compose music and play instruments and we got people that start a business, man, that take pictures. We got people that land. How many of you guys like to landscape your yard? Nobody. <laughs> I see a few hands. Yeah, I used to hate yard work. I really did. Uh, and then I don't know what changed in me, man. I, I, I can't remember what it was, but something just changed in me. And you can ask Robin, man. Like, I love to just be out in the yard and landscape and do all kinds of things, even though, you know, our, our yard still kind of looks uh, not really pretty landscapey. I don't have, but anyway, I like doing it, okay? Uh, we like to decorate our homes. We like to do all these things, right? And so we do that because we've been created in the image of God. All right, finally, man, we are moral beings. And what I mean by that is uh, human beings alone have the capacity to know what's right from wrong. All right, listen, God is, is perfect. He is holy. And he alone has set the standard for which we live by. And, and he has created human beings with this moral compass inside of us, a conscience that gives each of us this inner sense of knowing the difference between right and wrong, right? And I know, man, that, that no, other, no other creature has this, and I know what you're going to say, but uh, going back to the whole pet and animal thing, you know, my dog, uh, whenever it does something wrong, it kind of hunkers down. It, it, it knows that it did something wrong. And I would, and I would say, man, you, you're right. It probably knows that it's, that it did something wrong because you've trained that dog Right? And, and, probably, and plus, that dog's probably fearing for its life right now, thinking that you're going to kill him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but here's the difference between pets, right? Here's the difference between pets and us, okay? Your dog is not lying awake. It's lying awake at night thinking, man, I should not have eaten my master's shoes. What was I thinking? Your dog is not living in regret for chewing on the couch. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense to you? Okay, and so like, like you know, you watch the National Geographic channel and you see the baby antelope scurrying across the, the field and then you see this, this, this female lion that comes across and just kind of tears that antelope up, right, and just tears it to pieces. I guarantee you that lion is not la- laying in his den that night with his paw on her head thinking, what have I done here, you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's not, it does, they don't have this moral quandary that you and I do. Okay, like you and I lay in bed at night with regrets, do we not? You and I wrestle uh, with guilt, we wrestle with shame, and, and the reason is because we have this this moral compass in us that that, that God put in there, and uh, and so and so because we are created in the image and likeness of God, God places a high value on all human life. Now, now the tougher question that we have to answer is when does human life begin? Right? Does human life begin at birth whenever the baby comes through the birth canal and takes its first breath? Is that when life begins? Does life begin at some certain point in the pregnancy, like second trimester, third trimester? Like what, where is the starting point? And so what I want to do now is take a few minutes and just kind of look at what the Word of God says. And then after we take a look and see what the Word of God says, I want to look and see what science says. All right? So Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet of God. God used Jeremiah to speak through him. And this is what God says. 
He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Bless you. Before I formed you, bless you. Are you all right? All right, we're good. good. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay, so, so before he was even formed, and the idea here is that God formed Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, right? So this would indicate, man, that God put Jeremiah together, and before he even did that, he knew him. He knew him. Psalm 51, 5, this is a great, great verse here. This is King David, one of the most famous kings in the Old Testament. And he writes these words after his uh, sin with Bathsheba. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, this is, this is mind-blowing here if you think about it. Because what David is saying is, is that he had this sinful nature. He had this, this, this natural bent. We've talked about this before in the past. He had this natural bent towards sin in the womb. In the womb. And not only in the womb, but at conception. At conception. So, so if David was not a person, then it follows that he could not have had a sinful nature at that time. Because a pre-human mass of cells could not have any basis for morality. And so what David is telling us is that when the sperm and egg meet and unite, human life has begun. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. This is a great passage of Scripture. It's just a beautiful picture, man, of, of really, this, it should cause us to marvel at God and, and His detailed working in life. But this is what it says. And it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of, of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your, in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. I love this, this passage, and I love the NIV translation, actually, because in the NIV translation at the beginning, it says that you knit me together. I love that image, man, that God takes his hands and he, he kind of knits us together. Robin's mom knits. And whenever she comes to our house, she's always knitting. And, and just the way, you know, you kind of get this idea that God is knitting us together. He's putting us together with his own hands. The psalmist says that each person, each person, man, is, 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 is carefully put together because God loves them. All right, you guys remember that song he used to sing, if you grew up in church, Jesus, Jesus loves the children. You guys know that song? How does it go? Sing it for me. Jesus, all the children. All right, bravo, good job, good job. I love that song. I love that song. And listen, this is what the psalmist is saying. Listen, the psalmist is saying that each person, red, yellow, black, and white, are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? Jesus loves the little children, each one of them. Each person has value and worth. Each person, each person is important and a part of his plan for rescuing us. He says that, uh, the psalmist says that my frame was not hidden from you. And I love this. The NIV translation says when I was made in the secret place. In the secret place. Think about that. Where is the secret place? Right? It's in the womb, right? 
Like God, God put us together in the secret place, the process of conception. Thousands of years ago, man, God knew all these things, man. Things that we're just now finding out with technological advances. And God's like, listen, fools, I knew this all the time. I made this. Yeah, I know what's going on here, right? And we're just now finding these things out. Man. And these technological advances allow us to see this whole process. I watched a video this past week, a video that, that, that showed uh, from conception all the way through birth, man. It just blew my mind. Blew my mind. And, and, and what's, what's absolutely, it's absolutely amazing. And, and the sad reality is that instead of technology kind of pushing us towards the creator, the one who kind of put it all together, science kind of wants to put it in a textbook and push it to, a, to the side. You know, and, and that's, that's just, that blows my mind. I mean, how amazing is it that our God who creates things on such grand scale like the planets and galaxies is also involved and concerned with the little details of our lives, right? He knit us together. I want you to notice also the personal pronoun in the verses indicates that there was indeed a person present before birth in Psalm 139. So I believe that the Bible teaches that life begins at conception, and the reality is, is that with science and the way that they advanced uh, over the last 40 years since Roe v. Wade in 1973, or 43 years, uh, you know, we didn't have things back then like we do now. We didn't have 3D sonograms uh, and things where, where people could look and see their babies uh, sucking their thumbs and, and, and smiling and all these different waving, whatever. Uh, there's a funny story that, that Robin can tell you about Jude. We saw him doing one, one day, and I won't say it. But she can tell you what it was, all right? So if you want to ask her, it was pretty cool. Uh, now you guys are, like, wondering what it is. I'm not going to share it with you, okay? Just, just so you know. Uh, so, so let's just take a minute and just, just talk science, okay? And I want to well, walk you through just a few things here, things that we've discovered over the last 40 years. All right, day one, conception. Day one, conception, you have 23 chromosomes from the egg. All right, a little science lesson here. And you have 23 uh, chromosomes from the sperm. And when they come together and meet, what do you have? How many chromosomes? All right, why is that important? Right, because that, and 46 is the magic number for human beings, okay? That, that's what we need. That's, that's our makeup. So day one, day one at conception, your genetic makeup, listen, your genetic makeup is determined. Day one, your sex, your color, your skin color, uh, your eye color, your hair color, uh, all those things are determined day one. The only thing that the baby needs to be a fully functioning being is nine months in the womb to grow and develop. All right, day 18. Two and a half weeks in, the heart begins to beat with the child's own blood. Day 18, I mean, this is, we're talking two and a half weeks. A lot of women don't even know that you are pregnant and 18 days in, correct? Don't even know you're pregnant. You've got the heart that's beating. Week four, it says that the child is 10,000 times larger than the fertilized egg, and it says if the, if, if the baby's growth rate continues at the rate it does during those first four weeks throughout the whole pregnancy, you ready for this? The baby would come out weighing 1.5 tons. How many of you women would like to give birth to a 1.5 ton baby? It's impossible, right? It's crazy. But how amazing is that? Think about that. But the first four weeks, the baby is growing at a rapid rate, man, so, so fast that if it continued to grow at that rate through the whole nine months, man, we would have some big mamajamas on our hand, right? <laughs> big babies. 
That's just how amazing our God is, right? Week five, man, eyes, legs, hands begin to develop. Week eight, first trimester, every organ is in place. Bones begin to replace cartilage. Fingerprints, fingerprints begin to form. At eight weeks, the baby can begin to hear. Week 10 and 11, the baby can breathe amniotic fluids and urinate. All organ systems are functioning and in place. Uh, week 17, the baby has dreams. By 21 weeks, 21 weeks, with some help, the baby can survive outside the womb. How amazing is that, right? So science confirms that the Word of God tells us, and that is that human life begins at conception. And, and, and as much as science wants to explain everything away in a textbook, man, you just cannot deny the fact that there is something amazing and unexplainable about this process. Amen? Which is how amazing our God is. Right, we just have to marvel at this. And so what does all this mean? Well, it means that God places a high value, high value on all human life. From the unborn child to the oldest of the elderly, God's handiwork can be found on each soul. And he deeply loves and cherishes each one. And unfortunately, because of Genesis chapter 3 and because Adam and Eve sinned and uh, brought those things into the world, uh, we live in a society that does not feel the same way. You see, when they sinned back in Genesis chapter 3, what it did is it really kind of distorted and flawed this image of God that's inside of us. Do you realize that? When when sin came into the world, it kind of flawed the image of God in us. It distorted the image of God. Well, one, it separated us from God, our Creator, because God is holy and perfect and without sin. Secondly, it, it kind of threw off our moral compass, did it not? Right, this moral